This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Kicking off hour two here on Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. On a Calgary Hitman game day. One of the most anticipated matchups tonight on the WHL calendar. As the Regina Pats and Connor Bedard are in town. At a near sold out Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Perhaps the last time that Connor Bedard will come through the halls of the Scotiabank Saddle Dome before he is a member of an NHL team. And clearly, hockey fans taking advantage of the opportunity to see the young man uh, one more time as a member of the Regina Pats. Game time, 7 o'clock tonight, our Hitman pregame show goes at 6 with yours truly before we hand things over to Brad Curl and Jeff Hollick on the call later tonight. But to get a sense of how things are going for Connor and the Regina Pats this season, very excited to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon and welcome in the play-by-play voice of the Regina Pats, uh, Dante DiCaria joining us down uh, the hotline this afternoon. Dante, thanks for doing this, man. How are you today? I'm doing fabulous. We just had a huge uh, Calgary media scrum here at the hotel lobby with uh, Connor Bedard and John Paddock, and uh, it was uh, quite exciting leading up to tonight's sellout. Yeah, talk about the, some of the uh, excitement heading into this one. I, I know for a lot of junior hockey players, the stops you know in Alberta where you're going into NHL rinks can be really exciting, but the, the potential to have a sold-out saddle dome tonight has to raise the excitement level for everybody involved. Yeah, I think Connor and his teammates are incredibly excited. I had the opportunity to just chit-chat with him a little bit at breakfast today and, uh, you know, just after the scrum. And uh, you can see he's pretty exciting or excited to, to play in front of a sold-out building. Uh, this might, might be one of the largest crowds that uh, he'll play in to start his NHL career, given, you know, potentially some of the landing spots that he might, you know, head to, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is a... This is a rink that holds almost 20,000. There are some NHL barns that don't even hold 20,000. It's kind of incredible to put in perspective and think that a junior hockey game is going to have more fans in the building than some NHL teams have. For example, the Ottawa Senators, being from Ottawa myself, you know, that rink does not hold 19 to 20,000 people, and they don't even come close to that, and they're an NHL team. It's kind of crazy to kind of put that in perspective. And adding to, uh, you know, the excitement level of tonight, Dante, it's also a massive game for these two teams. You know, Regina coming in eighth in the Eastern Conference right now. They trail the Hitmen by just five points, both teams with 46 games played so far. As much excitement as there is around Connor, and we'll talk about all of that more throughout the conversation, but it's also a big two points up for grabs for both teams. It really is. I mean, Calgary is coming off uh, an overtime loss against Winnipeg. Regina's coming off the 6-5 overtime loss last night against Red Deer. So, 
lots of stakes, uh, you know, lots at stake tonight coming into this game. I mean, Regina needs to get some wins on this road trip. I think they'll take a point any day of the week against a really good Red Deer team. But again, in order for them to make the playoffs, they have to beat the teams that they are battling with in the standings, teams that I would put in the same category as them. I wouldn't say the Calgary Hitmen are, you know, much better than the Regina Pats. They're kind of in the same group. Same with the Lethbridge Hurricanes coming up. Same with the Medicine Hat Tigers. You look at Red Deer last night, that's a team that you could easily look at and say, yeah, they're better. But I look at the next three games coming up, including the Hitmen tonight, these are games in which the Pats are on par with in terms of the rosters, right? In terms of mm-hmm. the statistics, where they are in the standings. I think the Hitmen, you know, obviously have a much better defensive core with the goals against it that they have this year, but the Pats have much more offense. So it's going to be exciting to see what the Hitmen are able to do against the Pats' offense. If you look at the season series this year, the Pats have had no problem scoring goals against Calgary. Of course, the last time Connor Bedard played the Hitman was January 8th, and he had four goals and six points. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, Regina's in the midst of one of those classic busy stretches that junior hockey players go through, Dante. You know it as well as anybody being with the team, obviously. You know, Red Deer last night, Calgary tonight, Friday you're in Lethbridge, Sunday you're in Medicine Hat. It's a, it's like it can be a long, daunting stretch for a lot of these guys, and you can't really let that bother you as much. You can't let that be an excuse when you need the points. You know what? It's funny you mentioned that, and I'm happy you actually mentioned that. Actually, one of the things that I spoke about with past players uh, during yesterday's broadcast, and as well as in the pregame show with one of our coaches, was that they feel they play better when they're playing back to back and consecutive games throughout the week, like we are seeing right now with four games in six nights. And it's quite interesting to say that because last year I thought it was the complete opposite. This year I think the team has not necessarily played at their best when they have a lull or a week off. For example, they lost the Medicine Hat in a game that they should have won. They were up 4-1 on Sunday and they blew it. And a lot of that from talking to the coaching staff and players was due to the fact that they were sitting around for eight days. They didn't play because they had a huge break with the top prospects game and Bedard leaving. So I think that played a little bit of a factor, just having to just sit around and practice all week gets a little bit boring. This team loves to play games. They're used to playing a lot of games in a row because the first half was all of that. Now there's been a little bit of a break here and there throughout the week, you know, yada, yada, with the second half being a little bit lighter than the first half. But they got used to playing so much hockey in the first half of the season that it was just kind of a a thing that they were used to, right? Mm -hmm. Using the games as their best practice, right? I've spoken with actually a few coaches over the course of the season, and I think I talked to Steve Konowolczyk about this, the Rebels head coach, and I said, you know, hey, you guys have played a lot of hockey recently and and not a lot of practices and time to practice. And he said, hey, sometimes your best practice is your game. Uh, It's been a good stretch for the Pats the last little while here, 4-2-1 despite the loss uh, last night, like you mentioned, against Red Deer. Give me a sense of what this season's been like for you. Do you have a good feel on what this team does well and maybe what they don't do well so far, Dante? Yeah, I, I think I do. Um, one of the things I think they do really well is scoring off the rush, scoring on the power play, uh, good goaltending. Defensively, though, they give up a lot of shots against. They don't get a ton of shots for. And I think that that's something that needs to improve over the course of the season. They also take a lot of penalties. They're up there in penalty minutes. They're up there in time shorthanded, although that has improved a little bit recently, which is a positive. But again, uh, this is a pass team that knows how to score goals. They can put the puck in the back of the net. Before Connor left for World Juniors, they were actually second in the whole Western Hockey League in goals for behind the powerhouse Winnipeg Ice, which to me was incredibly impressive. Their power play was second to first throughout most of the year. Now it's fifth. It's been very consistent, around 28% all season long. That's, an, that's a huge positive with guys like Suze Delib, Hal Bedard, Spolzel on that power play. 
But again, I'd like to just see them give up a little bit less goals against. Again, six against a really good Red Deer team last night. You'll take given that they were able to score five and they were in the game throughout. But again, um, there hasn't been a goaltending issue. Uh, issue. Drew Sim has played really well. Just, you know, uh, John Paddock has talked about it at length this year. I need to figure out a better way to defend because when playoff hockey comes around, they're going to have to find a way to defend. They're going to have to find a way to limit shots. Uh, they're giving up, you know, 32 to 33 plus shots against per game, which you'd probably like to see change. They're only averaging 27 shots for per game. I'd like to see that change a little bit. But uh, other than that, they can score goals. Just uh, goaltending has been good, but defensively just need to keep the puck out of the net. Let's talk about Connor Bedard and the season that he's had so far. Obviously, the hype level's been off the charts since coming back from the World Juniors and the you know incredible once-in-a-lifetime performance that he put on over on the East Coast. But what's the year been like for Connor and sort of how has he handled all of the attention and all of the extra spotlight that comes along with being a top prospect for the next NHL draft? I think there was only really one time this season or actually since I've known Connor going back to last year where I felt something phased him or maybe kind of weighed down on his shoulders or he looked a little stressed out, maybe not stressed out, but daunted by the fact. And that was actually when we were in Vancouver leading up to the November 25th game in which the Langley Event Center was sold out and there were people running after the bus and going to the hotel trying to get autographs from Connor and you know lining up hundreds of people outside the arena you know for photographs and stuff like that and uh, I think that was kind of the first time where I, where I felt that uh, things were you know, maybe a little bit daunting for him. Um, that's going to be the rest of his life, unfortunately, as as, as as much as it sucks to say, that's just what star players kind of have to deal with over the course of their NHL careers. Guys like Wayne Gretzky dealt with it. McDavid deals with it right now. Bedard's dealing with it right now, and he will continue to deal with it at an extended level and more as he moves up and plays in the National Hockey League, and I'm sure, you know, hopefully breaks records there like we've seen him do at the junior level. But again, uh, I think that was the only time where I kind of saw him like look a little like, wow, this is crazy. Ever since then, he's just been like nothing bothers him. It's like it just rolls right off his shoulders. He's so focused. He focuses in like a pro. He's, in, in, you know, immensely fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's just incredibly a, a bright kid, like fantastic person. It, you know, none of this stuff bothers him. What bothers him the most is 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 the record, right? The winning and losing. That's what he wants. He cares so much about winning. He cares so much about his teammates. He wants to see them have success. He wants to see them do well. Um, That's what he cares about the most, not about everything else that surrounds himself and what he does. A lot of people leading up to the WHL's trade deadline were curious what Regina was going to do. And it was an interesting decision because a lot of, a lot of teams in Regina's shoes would have easily said, Hey, look, we're going to move on with the, type of trade package for Connor Bedard is going to be something that we couldn't say no to. But Regina decided to go a different path. They decided to keep him this year and try to make a push for the playoffs. What did you, I, I guess, how did you process that decision and, and how did you sort of, you know, understand how Regina decided to handle it? Uh, I mean, there was no chance that they were going to move Connor Bedard for one. Mm-hmm. As far as what they did at the rest of the trade deadline, I mean, um, if you look at the picks that they have in the cupboard, there's a guy on Twitter, Stephen Caldwell, who actually has created a whole spreadsheet and he continues to update it very accurately with all the picks for every WHL team for the next five years or so. And if you look at that, that link, um, 
the Regina Pats don't have a first or second round pick this year, and they don't have a first round pick next year. So there wasn't really a lot of draft picks that they could unload to add to this group. And a lot of that is because of the trade that they made prior to the trade deadline for guys like Sam Aremba and the year before Zach Stringer and moving up in the draft and so on and so forth. They were able to gather up some uh, third round picks, some fourth round picks, but again, you need draft picks in, in your cupboard or else you won't be able to have a team that you can put on the ice. Like you need draft picks, you know, and, uh, I think the team knows what happened a couple of years ago in the 2018 draft when they unloaded to the, for the Memorial Cup in which they were only able to sign a handful of players from like the sixth round to the 10th, right? You need draft picks. You, you need to put players in your prospect pool. You need to develop them. And that's junior hockey. Like you can't win if you don't have draft picks, right? Obviously you can get unsigned guys from junior A or midget AAA that don't get drafted or from Bantam. But I mean... No, at the end of the day, you need draft picks, and the team could not afford to give up a lot of the draft picks that they had. So that's why they kind of were just content with the roster that they had. Um, and again, back to what you mentioned earlier with Bedard, uh, there was no chance that he was getting moved. And that was, that's, I mean, it's not only just a team decision, but it was, it was never even a conversation. It was yeah. just Connor wants to be a Regina Pat. He loves the organization. His mom and him moved to Regina to be here for the last three years. And uh, he's embraced the community and everything that surrounds it. And he wanted to finish his career with uh, the guys in that locker room because he's incredibly close with everybody in that locker room, you know, from guys from the first line, like Tanner Howe to guys to the, to the fourth line. It doesn't matter who you are. You're, you're on that team. You go to war every single night with him and he treats everybody the same. And he just, he wants to bring this team back to the playoffs and that's his goal. And that's a really incredible thing at this level because, you you know, as we talked about, as I mentioned before, you know, I'm sure there are teams that were calling constantly and would be interested in throwing big packages at the Regina Pats, but for them to, you know, sort of have that symbiotic relationship with Connor and say, hey, look, we're in this together and we want to, you know, finish this out together properly with you as a member of the Regina Pats and, you know, sort of vice versa. That's something that doesn't always happen in junior hockey, Dante. No, not at all. And, like, I don't know. I was doing a little bit of research about this. And a lot of people were on Twitter bringing up, well, John Tavares was traded to the London Knights in his draft. Uh, like, in his draft. Mm-hmm. But he was 18. Yeah. He was already 18. He had played, because of his late birthday, had played in Oshawa for two and a half years. Or, or sorry, four and a half. Like, three and a half, sorry. Yeah. Three and a half years. Because yeah. he plays a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old, all of Oshawa. And then as an 18-year-old, he was drafted you know, as an 18-year-old, but he was a member of the London Knights, but he still played, you know, three-plus years with the Oshawa Generals, right? And there's a big difference between being 17 and being 18. I think that age, people have to remember. How often do guys in the league at 17 years old get traded? Not often. No. How often do star 17-year-olds get traded? Never. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's very difficult because of the no-move clause that they have, that they have to approach the team with a trade, which he obviously did not. It's very hard to move those players because of what they have in their contract. And a lot of that is because they're in high school. Again, they're not 18 years old. They're 17. They're 16 years old. So that makes things a little bit more tricky. But again, with the John Tavares thing, um, he was 18, and again, Oshawa to London is is incredibly diff- uh, different from trading a guy from you know Regina to whatever Kamloops. Yeah, right. Yep. That's a big move. That is an incredibly big move. I know he's from the province of BC, but he's not from Kamloops. He's from Vancouver. Like it's a big difference. Yeah. 
Uh, Dante DiCario along with us here done the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The play-by-play voice of the Regina Pats joining us on a game day of Regina and Calgary from the sold-out Scotiabank Saddle Dome later tonight. And uh, you brought up something in an earlier answer that I, I wanted to go back to, and that's uh, you know the teammates for Connor Bedard in all of this. And there's uh, a number of really special players on this Regina Pats team that you know, maybe don't get as much love or as much attention because of the year and all the hype that are around Connor Bedard. But everybody I've talked to, Dante, including yourself, as you've mentioned in this conversation, have talked about how close this group is. There aren't a lot of egos here, and a lot of that comes from how Connor reacts and, and works with his teammates. And it's a group that doesn't look at Connor and feel jealous, but actually is really proud yeah. of him and wants to help him on this journey and doesn't feel like they're slighted because they don't get as much attention as he does. One of the best groups I've ever dealt with in my entire career. And this is my eighth season covering junior hockey. My second major junior. I did several years of junior A, worked in professional baseball, worked uh, with the Blue Jays, their minor league affiliate as well. And I've never been around a better group to deal with than Connor Bedard and the rest of these players. And I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to work with this group including Connor, including everybody throughout the roster because uh, they're incredibly respectful to myself. They are really easy to work with. Connor's really easy to deal with. And that's just, to me, they make my life easier um, with everything that I have to do. And that's just an example of what type of guys the organization has brought in, just all A-plus people. And Connor being at the top of that, being at the forefront, really kind of rubs off on everybody else because he's not cocky. He doesn't, he's not about himself. When the whole world wants to talk about him and everybody wants his autograph, everybody wants his picture, everybody on social media is talking about him and in the media on TV. But he's like, he's not about like, I, I used, there was an example to me. We were having a team meal once and all over the TVs, you know, Bob McKenzie, whoever it was, was talking about the upcoming draft and they were just talking about Bedard the whole time. Mm-hmm. And there was like four TVs surrounding us in this one private room that we were eating our meal in. And he didn't want to look at the TV. He looked away. He looked down, didn't want to see it, didn't want to look at it. And that's just, to me, the kind of person he is. He doesn't want, like, he doesn't want all this attention. He doesn't want everybody to talk about him. He just wants to go out there, have fun, play hockey, and be with his teammates and just be a regular guy. He is a regular person. He's nothing more than you and I talking on the phone right now. Mm. And, you know, that kind of stood out, uh, stood out to me when I saw that. I'm not surprised by the fact. I've seen it a few times this year. I mean, his interview with the World Juniors, I think, speaks volumes. That was not something that was pre-planned. Yeah. That was not something that someone told him to do. That was him. I think that speaks a lot of his maturity. Again, he still has lots of areas that he needs to grow in as a person and as a hockey player. But overall, I mean, he's just a great A person and everybody in that locker room is enjoying the whole journey with him this year. They've been by him every step of the way and uh, I think uh, he owes his teammates a lot of credit in terms of the support that they've given him. Just a couple more for you. Appreciate the time this afternoon, Dante. Uh, for people watching either at the Saddle Dome tonight or on TV on the national broadcast, aside from Connor, from a Regina perspective, give us a couple names, maybe some guys to, to watch for that you've been really impressed with this season that have been big parts of the Regina Pats. Yeah, I think Tanner Howe has been huge for the Pats this year. Luke Bateman has been probably one of the most underrated defensemen in the Eastern Conference from what I've seen. Obviously, we know what Stanislas Fosel can do with you know, his points per game at like 1.4, I believe it is. That's 
tops amongst all defensemen. He's second in the WHL in assists amongst all skaters, which is just ridiculous. Uh, Alexander Suzdalev has skill, you know, through the roof, NHL skill, just a specialist on the power play, fabulous shot. And I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to pull off the Michigan tonight because he's done it a few times this year, hasn't scored it just yet. He has scored on a between-the-legs goal, though. I've never seen a guy shoot the puck between his legs from the right circle during a game while coming in down, uh, coming in down the wall. Just ridiculous. Jeez. I pointed out the, those five guys right there. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the team is a little bit short-staffed right now. A lot of key players out of the lineup with injuries, like Zach Stringer and Riley Janelle, who will be missed definitely tonight in a big game on, on TV. But, uh, no, I think the... The whole team, in order to win, has to play together as a group. They can't just rely on one or two guys to win. Um, I've said this in a few interviews today, and that's um, hockey's not basketball. You can't win with two guys. Everybody needs to chip in. Uh, talk to me about John Paddock and the uh, the job that the head coach and GM uh, has done with this group and, and dealing with uh, all that extra attention that we've talked about. And, you know, his job, too, in, in developing Connor Bedard as that, you know, next great hockey player as well. I think what John has done and what has continued to do was spend time with Connor to develop his overall game. He uses Matt Barzell, who Connor Bedard, by the way, is very close friends with, as an example, because Barzell was a standout in the Western Hockey League, and he has transitioned seamlessly, obviously, to the NHL. And obviously, John Paddock would know Matt Barzell quite well, given that it, it was him and the Seattle Thunderbirds that beat John Paddock and the Regina Pats in the 2016-17 WHL Final, which was... Uh, Kind of a salt in the wound for Pats fans. They had a strong team that year, and it was Barzell and Ethan Bear that were really the standouts for Seattle. But given that, uh, I think you know John likes to show video of guys like Sidney Crosby and Matt Barzell, from what I've heard, to Connor and see, you know, this is what they do at the NHL. This is how responsible they are on both ends of the pucks. You can still score. You can still do what you do and still be a good defensive player. I'm not saying Connor Bedard is not a good defensive player, but that not necessarily is his biggest strength. His strength is his skill, his ability to score in clutch moments, yada, yada, yada. But again, um, he's also a great skater, by the way. But again, his, uh, you know, his well, being a more well-rounded player is something that he's worked on with John. I know they talk a lot about it. Um, John's the right guy to talk to about it because he's literally been in the game for 40 years and he's played at the NHL level and he has coached at the NHL level. He's been a GM at the NHL level. Uh, what a perfect guy for Connor Bedard to have as his head coach and GM. Absolutely fabulous. Like I said, I'm not in the room all the time on what they're talking about and stuff, but anytime I've done interviews with John, I've asked him what he's working on with Connor, and he pointed out to me that he likes to show video of guys that are well-rounded players uh, in the NHL, and uh, just kind of, you know, because Connor has the ability to do that, and I think he will do that, and, you know, John kind of pointing those things out to him has been, a, I'm sure, a huge help. Uh, last one for you. Your excitement level for uh, for nineteen thousand in the building tonight uh, while you're on the call. Are you excited for tonight? Incredibly excited. I'm actually so excited that I'm going to Uber to the rink extremely early because and ahead of the bus because I just want to be there that much <laughs> early. I want to be prepared. I want to make sure everything's all good to go. Um, haven't been able to sit still all morning and. Uh, I can't say, well, I mean, I did sleep obviously last night, but we got in late, but I can't say <laughs> that I'm not excited. I'm incredibly excited. Um, probably the biggest crowd that I've ever seen in my entire life, biggest crowd that I might ever broadcast, even if I do potentially make it to the highest level, you don't see crowds like this all the time, right? Yeah. 
No, 100%. Uh, Dante, thanks so much for the time today, man. I really do appreciate it. I know you guys are uh, incredibly busy, so I do appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join me here. Uh, good luck tonight. Have a great uh, broadcast. Hopefully we'll see you up there in the press box and I get a chance to uh, thank you in person, man. Sounds good. Looking forward to meeting you, man. Take care. Dante Dukaria joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, the play-by-play voice of the Regina Pats. They are in town getting set to take on the Calgary Hitmen at a sold-out Scotiabank Saddledome in what will be Connor Bedard's final visit to the Scotiabank Saddledome this season and perhaps his last visit as a member of a junior hockey team before he throws on an NHL sweater. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We'll end off hour two with a conversation with Calgary Stampeders offensive lineman Derek Dennis. He's re-signed with the Stamps for one last season, not only with Calgary, but in his football playing career. We'll chat with him next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the show. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Earlier this week, the Calgary Stampeders announced that four-time All-Star offensive lineman Derek Dennis had re-signed with the team on a one-year contract. And Derek announced that 2023 will be the last of his distinguished career. So very excited to bring Derek on the show down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk about his new deal with the Calgary Stampeders and the upcoming CFL season. Derek, thanks so much for doing this, man. Congratulations on the new deal. Thanks, man. I appreciate you guys having me on today. Thank you for coming on, man. Much appreciated with the time. First things first, uh, you were hurt late last season. It took you out of the playoffs. Uh, How's the rehab process coming? Yeah, process is going along pretty well, man. Ankle's still healing. It's getting much better. It's a lot stronger. I've been on my feet for the last couple of months, so it's just getting reacclimated to uh, getting back to doing some dynamic and explosion stuff. That's the next uh, phase for me. And it's, uh, it's a big, important uh, recovery process. Obviously, the ankle's so important to what you do as an offensive lineman, eh? Uh, absolutely, man. I've, that's probably been the biggest asset for me as a player is I've had really good feet my whole career and been able to uh, move my feet. I just wish I moved them quick enough so I could have avoided this injury. But, you know, that's part of the game. Things happen. So, yeah. I'm just trying to get back to uh, being healthy, fully healthy, being able to move my feet uh, at the speed that I, I'm accustomed to and making sure I'm, I'm, I'm in tip-top shape to be able to compete at the, at the level people expect from me. Uh, talk to me about the decision to re-sign with the Calgary Stampeders. It's an interesting one, Derek, because uh, I love how you've talked about on Twitter, man. There's a lot of different options out there for guys, whether it's – you know, going to the States, it's part of the XFL, looking at different leagues. What led you to coming back to the Stampeders for another season? Uh, honestly, first and foremost, uh, like you stated, man, I got a distinguished career in the CFL, man, so it only made sense to kind of finish it off the right way. Um, and I didn't want the last memory of me being people seeing me carted off the field, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was having a, a great season last year. I thought I had a shot to be MOL, man, but unfortunately, an you know, injury happened towards the latter part of the season. Um, and, and, you know, even though I was still able to be named the All-Star, so I felt like, man, I'm, I'm still at the top of my game. I still got a lot a lot of juice left in the tank. I just uh, I just wanted to go out on a better note. Yeah, I totally understand that. It makes a lot of sense. And for you especially, Derek, you talked about last year being such a strong year for yourself and the whole Stampeders offensive line. You guys brought together one of the strongest groups in the CFL. You helped Kadeem carry to that rushing title league leaders in fewest sacks allowed what made you such a successful group last year uh communication man and camaraderie man we're, we're a very tight-knit group 
again, it starts in the middle with Sean McEwen, man. He's he's best center in the league. Uh, he's a he's a great communicator. He's always done a great job of making sure that we're all on the same page and understanding, you know, everybody's job. And then you got uh, you know you got me, who's another season season vet of the group, to be able to kind of be one of the bookends. Uh, I know we lost Julian, man, to to the league, but he was a heck of a talent, man. I kind of expected to see that ascension for him, man. But you got Ryan Sieber, man, who's a, who's a veteran now at this point. Um, Zach has come along really well, man. I think Zach is one of the top top two guards in the league, man, especially it's definitely one of the top two left guards, man. So we got a great group. we got a lot of guys who um, have di- bring different things to the table that just mesh well, man, and, and allows us to play as, as one good unit. And talk to me about the relationship that you guys have with the running back room and how important that is for what you guys want to accomplish. Kadeem's a vet. He's been around it for a long time. He had nothing but great things to say about you guys all season long, and I imagine that's a, a pretty mutual feeling for everybody in that running back room. Absolutely, man. We actually we, we meet with the running backs, so like we're we're, okay. we're in meetings together, O line and running backs. I like together. that. So I think that kind of helps. That kind of helps to the group as well because we're all in film watching together. We're seeing things. We're asking Kadeem what are the, what are things he look he's looking for to be able to, you know, hit certain holes or bounce runs, and we're telling him how we view, you know, schemes to be blocked and where we expect him to be right. So it kind of builds that cohesion throughout the year. And Dean's a Dean's best running back in the league hands down man all you need to do is put bodies on bodies and he has a, he does a great job of taking care of the rest so um when you got a group who's you know who meets together who hangs out together um we do o-line dinners but we also include the running backs as well so we're always together as a group outside of the building so as you just again just speaks to the camaraderie man the only way you have success in this game is being able to have a group of guys who not only play well together but they enjoy being around each other right it's easy to you know it's cliche to say you got to play for your brothers you got to be out there and do things for your brothers right but um, that's kind of essentially, you know, how we how we play the game. Yeah, and you know how important that is, Derek. You mentioned you're a veteran. You've been here before. You've been on lots of different teams, and I'm sure you've seen different examples of how when that camaraderie and that communication isn't there, it can probably create a lot of different problems for the team. So you, you see it yourself and other guys taking it on themselves to build that camaraderie every season is so important, eh? It is, man. It is, man. Honestly, um, I think part of the reason why I have some such success in Calgary is, is that I'm, I'm a stampede through and through. I know the standard. I know what it takes to be in that locker room. And I, my characteristics and my personality just kind of fit, you know, there, man. Guys guys gravitate towards me. It doesn't matter the position, man. I think we all get along, whether you play defense, offense, or special teams, man. Renee Paredes is one of my good friends, man. I love hanging out with Renee, man. He's the kicker, right? So yeah. Well, you got a locker room who does a great job of having connections with everybody, regardless of position, um, being able to just gel together as a group off the field. Um, it always leads to a recipe of success, man. I think that's why Calgary's always been really good, man, because you always got a great locker room of guys who just love being together, um, regardless of what position they play or how much they play or whatever the case may be. Uh, talk to me about this decision for this to be your final season. You, you mentioned it to me earlier. You had a great year. Last year, you didn't want to leave with that sour taste in your mouth, but why is this going to be the last one for you in the CFL, Derek? A lot of things, a lot of things. Family has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a young father, man. I just had my third kid last season, so, I, you know, I got two young boys and a daughter that um, are starting to grow up, and, and they, you know, they want to have dad around more type of thing. 100%. Also, um yeah, also, you know, business aspect of it, man. Honestly, it's just uh, I'm I'm getting to that point in my career where, you know, I like to consider myself in that upper echelon, right? The the yeah. um, Stanley Bryant's the goat, man. He's the he's the guy who's the standard, right? But I like to, you know, looking at all the guys around the league, I like to put myself in that upper echelon, right? So I just feel like, you know, as you get older in the game, 
you know, uh, you start to get to that point where sometimes you, you get pushed out before you're ready to call it quits, man. So I'd rather leave on my own note, uh, go out on top um, as best I can and, and be able to, um, you know, keep my head high and know that I, that I had a bang-up career. How much more motivation does that give you heading into the last year to make it a great one? You've got so much talent in that Calgary Stampeders locker room. Obviously, you're coming into it with Jake, you know, in his first full year as a starter. But how much do you look at it and say, look, this is my last try on it. I'm going to go out and, and give it everything I got to make sure that it's a successful one. Oh, that's, that's how I play the game, man. I'm like that every year, whether it's my last year or not, man. Okay. I, the, the, thing about, the thing about me is I'm a competitor. The thing yeah. that I think um, a lot of guys gravitate towards me and they love about me is that, you know, when you go out there on the field, I'm always going to give you my all, man. I'm always going to be out there to support you. I'm always going to be there to care for my guys. Um, I'm always the first guy, you know, if anything happens, I'm always going to be the guy in the front of the line to make sure everybody's behind me and being well taken care of, man. It's, it's, my, it's in my nature. It's, it's what I do as an offensive lineman. So um, I don't – me saying this is my last year is not adding any more motivation for me. I take pride in being able to walk on the field and people saying, hey, that guy's a great football player. That guy's really good, right? That's essentially why I played the game for so long and why I've done what I've done for so long is because – I take pride in people being able to look at my body of work and saying, you know, that guy was a really guy was really good, right? That's mm-hmm. my worst fear is me walking off the field and someone saying, hey, that guy sucks. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so that's how I play the game. That's how I carry myself. So honestly, I just want to be able to come in and just continue to be a leader, man. Continue to yeah. be a guy that guys trust, that guys know that they, they come to. Um, I got a great relationship with a lot of guys, man. Even here, you know, a lot of guys are here in Phoenix where I live. Um, you know, I just, you know, I'll be hanging out with Dedrick Mills uh, all the time. I'm hanging out around, you know, uh, Shaq, you know, a lot of different nice. guys, especially other guys on other teams in the league that's in the city, right? Everybody just kind of looks at, looks at Double D as big bro. So <laughs> I always try to take on that role, um, you know, take on that role regardless, you know, where I'm at or what I'm doing is that I, I've been through this, this business and this game a lot. I impart that knowledge on everybody because I just want to see everybody win and be successful. So I'm going into it the same way I always do. Uh, talk to me about Jake Mayer and the opportunity for him now to take over as the quarterback of the Calgary Stampeders. I know you got a great relationship with Ball, and I'll ask you about him and Hamilton in just a minute here. But uh, I'm curious what you've seen in Jake and how excited you are for him to get this opportunity. Jake's a good young quarterback, man. Honestly, man, he's uh he's going to go in there, he's going to do his job, and he's going to take accountability. And he he takes pride in being able to go out there and perform well, right? So. Um, me as an old lineman, my job is always to give give my quarterbacks and my running backs uh, the, easy, the easiest path to doing their job and being comfortable. Right, that's what I take yeah. pride in. So, I always I always like to make jokes with DNs uh, during the game. I, I always ask them, "How do you, uh, do you know what my quarterback's breath smell like?" Because you know I don't plan on you being too close <laughs> to be able to know what it is. <laughs> so that's that's just me, man. I'm, I, I do what I do to. Uh, I, I like young talented players. I like guys who can play the game with a certain passion, yeah. a certain way. And that's Jake, man. Jake actually, Jake actually texted me the other day, man. Texting back and forth from saying he was you no, know, he was happy to have me back. He was excited, you know. I think having me on the line kind of helped, you know, that transition for him getting, being comfortable and being able to go out there and just focus on being able to make his reads and not have to worry about, you know, people in his face too much, right? So that's 100%. that's what I'm here for, man. I'm here to I'm here to, I'm here to make everybody's job easier, man. So that's I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the jump that he, that he makes. And uh, for the guy who's blindside, you used to protect Bo Levi, obviously uh, a distinguished career, winning championships in Calgary, one of the greatest to ever suit up in the red and white, uh, as you know all too well, Derek, and now an opportunity for him to go to Hamilton. How excited were you for see, to see him sign that contract and get paid by Hamilton? Super excited for him, man. I, uh, Bose, Bose was a really good friend of mine, man. I know last year 
I used to always tell him last year that I was super proud of him and how he handled the situation because it's tough, man. As an athlete, we always have supreme confidence in ourselves and, and our abilities. And, you know, I, I, I've been in those shoes before where, you know, you may get demoted or or you may get moved down and people start to talk bad about you or start to think you don't have it anymore, right? So that's an extra – Bo's always had a chip on his shoulder, right? I think just everything he went through last year just made the chip even bigger and made him hungry again. Sometimes when you have a lot of success, man, sometimes you lose that hunger, right? So I think maybe last year was something that he needed to go through to kind of get him get him back to his roots and get him back to understanding what that hunger was that made him successful, right? So I don't I don't expect anything less than to see Bo set the league on fire, man. And I, and, and any success he has, I'll, I'll be more than happy um, to you know celebrate my guy, man, because he definitely deserves it. He's a first battle Hall of Famer, and I know you know sometimes being in a new setting and in, in, in a new place can can revitalize a guy in his career. So. I'm looking forward to seeing him have have great success in in, in Hamilton. Uh, I was excited to ask you this one because, especially as you mentioned earlier, you know what it's like being a Stampeder and you know the bar that's set for being that kind of guy. And I know these guys won't be coaching you directly, but I'm curious how you'll see Nick Lewis and Juwan Simpson coming back as as coaches for this team and how they're going to impart that Stampeders mentality across the group. You know them both well. You know what kind of CFL careers they have. How important is it, Derek? to have guys like that who can come back to the organization and impart that knowledge and impart that standard on the next generation of guys. It's huge, man. It's huge. Cause Nick and Juwan were dogs when they played, man. And, Absolutely. and those are my old, those are my OGs, right? <laughs> those are the guys who taught me, taught me how to, how to be who I am and, and be my way, man. Juwan was, I was a rookie when, when Juwan was at the tail end of his career. Right. But every day, man, like me and him had a great relationship and he was the guy who kind of, taught me how to how to be you know one of those dogs in this league right Nick too Nick's another guy I actually I, I still hung out with those guys even after retirement right those are guys who whenever they would come back around you know I was I was you know I was a little bro in a sense I was the guy that they you know imparted that knowledge on and like to hang around so it would be super it's, it's almost like having your friends come back and, and be able to hang around you again right Brandon Smith was another big you know another OG of mine that that kind of I built a great relationship with right so those are the guys who taught me how to be a stampeder, right? So having them to be able to come back and be able to kind of bring that culture back and bring that camaraderie back and show guys, you know, what it's like to not just be a good football player, but to be be a great Calgary stampeder, man. And you can't put a price on it. I know you've done uh, different skills and, and development camps yourself over the years. Could you ever see yourself getting into the coaching life, Derek? I do, man. I do. I, I train young offensive linemen um, here in Arizona now. Yeah. Um, I'm right now. I, last year, I did my first uh, pro offensive line summit here in Arizona with a lot of CFL guys. I plan on doing it again um, this this spring coming up. I'm in the works of getting that logistics and looking for sponsors and things of that nature um, to get about a nice nice group of twenty guys down here to be able to just you know share knowledge and part knowledge and share things. I know tons of, you know, offensive linemen and different people, guys playing in the NFL, all different types of things, right? So, uh, again, I'm all about giving back to the next generation, right? I've been through so much and I've done so many things that it doesn't make sense to be selfish and hold on to that knowledge and not impart it onto the next generation as they could be, you know, even more advanced or even better, right? Um, especially in the CFL, offensive line is one of those positions where it's hard to find quality offensive linemen, man. It's hard to find really good players, man, at yeah. that position, regardless of nationality or ratio, whatever the case may be, right? So I feel like me being a guy who's been, you know, upper echelon player, uh, I need to I need to give that knowledge back. I need to help advance the position, right? Because as the, as the position gets better, then more notoriety, man. I've always been big on offensive linemen getting notoriety, right? We're always the unsung heroes, the guys who do all the dirty work, but no one talks about them, right? So 
part of me and what I do is I want to change that, right? I want to make great players be able to understand that you are great, that you can do great things, and that there are opportunities out there that you can take advantage of as long as you're putting in the work to be to be great, right? So I got a couple of high school kids. I got some college kids, um, you know, and I'm working with pros too, so it's all levels, man. I've been through it all. I've done it all. <laughs> I played in every league, played in every league imaginable in, yeah. in, in North America. So – why not, you know, why not give that knowledge away to help guys on their journey and their path to get to where they want to get to? Uh, and you mentioned it there. You obviously keep up with so many leagues and everything going on. Uh, I got to get your prediction on paper, man. We got Chiefs and Eagles coming up in a couple weeks. Who you got in the big game? <laughs> man, uh, my heart says Philly because I'm a Philly guy. Yeah. I'm a Temple grad. Um, Hassan Reddick is, my my opinion, defensive player of the year. He's a Temple grad. Um, a guy who's been who's been tearing it up all year. He, he essentially changed the game last week, right? Yeah. Um, with that first sack on Brock Purdy, man. So, my heart says Philly. Um, but again, man, I mean, it's hard to it's hard. It's like Mahomes is the new Brady, man. It's hard to bet against him, man. It's uh, it's, it's hard when you know a guy's so good, and even with a hurt ankle, he's still out there doing spectacular throws and leading his team to to victories, right? So. I expect a good game, man. I, I'm, I feel like whoever wins it is probably going to win it in overtime on a field goal or something like that. So um, I'm going to just go with Philly just because I'm going to stick to my roots. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go to Eagles, man. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mahomes and them win it. Uh, Derek, thanks so much for the time today, man. I really do appreciate it. First of all, congratulations on the new contract and uh, so much respect for you uh, going out after this year to spend more time with your family and uh, do some more things in your life. Uh, I hope you have a great season. I'll see you down at McMahon. Uh, a bunch of times this year, but I wanted to say congratulations and have the best of luck uh, uh, as season goes on and as you get ready for training camp, man. Absolutely, man. I, I appreciate that so much. Thank you, man. Thank you for the time today. Take care. Derek Dennis, Calgary Stampeders offensive lineman, four-time All-Star, joining us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. He re-signed with the Calgary Stampeders earlier this week and is back for his final season in the CFL and uh, will be an important part of that stamps O-line that was the class of the league last season, helping Kadeem carry to a rushing title, allowing the league's uh, fewest sacks, and it'll be a big help for Jake Mayer and company as he partakes in his first uh, full season as the Calgary Stampeders starting quarterback. Thank you to Jean of the uh, Calgary Stampeders for helping set that one up, and thanks again to Derek Dennis for the time this afternoon. Really do appreciate that. Obviously, you know, Derek talked a lot there that wanting to go out and you got so much, I got so much respect for a guy that wants to go out on his own terms and, you know, why wait a year if you were Derek was the big question for me. I was curious, you know, if you're talking about retirement, why, why wait a year? Why go back for another year? And uh, I loved his answer about, I don't want people to think about Derek Dennis and think about being carted off the field with an ankle injury. I want people to think about Derek Dennis, who was the all-star, who led a great offensive line, and that's not going to be the last memory of him in the CFL. So uh, once again, congratulations to Derek Dennis on the new contract with the Stampeders. Uh, Wise move by Dave Dickinson, the GM and head coach of the Stampeders, in my eyes, to bring Derek back for another season. Uh, You know, the communication that Derek talked about, that's so key. Knowing what your running backs need and want from you as an offensive line, Sean McEwen, as he said, I couldn't agree more. Best center in the CFL. And uh, now the Stampeders, who lost Julian Good-Jones to the NFL, uh, are at least able to bring back one major piece uh, of their offensive line. Free free agency for the CFL set to kick off officially on February 14th. Still some big news uh, and big names out there when it comes to CFL free agency.
Uh, this is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, quick reminder, you can get the show wherever you get your podcast: Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher, or you can head to the website, sportsnet.ca slash 960. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.